The man of will breaks all boundaries. As above, so below. Magic of come to realize is a new way of seeing our own world. Something divine truly does exist. You're listening to the Culture Shock podcast with your host, Dave Escuro. How's it going, everyone? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Culture Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Dave. My guest today is independent filmmaker Lana Winters. I've known Lana for a long time now, dating back from just having a mutual interest in Joe Bob Briggs' The Last drive Through, And since then, I've seen her take her love of horror films to create her own podcast and short films and even acting in feature films. So I was really excited to have our conversation with her because we're kicking off the start of spooky season, and now is the time where we start focusing on our love of horror movies and pumpkin spice lattes and all the creepy crawly things that comes with Halloween time. And what better way to kick it off than with two of my favorite topics, horror movies and independent filmmaking. So uh, I want to thank Lana so much for coming on board. Um, We talk about all of her projects. As always, please support them. Uh, And without further ado, my guest, independent filmmaker Lana Winters. Uh, But very rarely do you come across folks who not only love genres, but then actively go to make them. You know, like there's, like there's, I mean, maybe at most people will write about it or perhaps maybe they'll um, comment about it on Twitter for all the value that that has. But, but like seeing you say, I love horror movies so much, I'm going to work in it myself. I'm going to, and not just work in it, but like make your own movies is really inspiring. It's really cool to see. Well, you know, and I've said this before, you know, I was a teenager of the 90s, and I believe you were too. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did we do back then? People around us, I mean, you know, they would not talk about art. They would just go out and do it with their friends. Right. So I guess you could say I'm like a late bloomer in all of this. Like, life happened first, and I felt like a part of me was supposed to do that, but I never got around to it because life happened. And then, you know, here here we are in the middle of this pandemic and everything's happening. And I'm like, I think I'm going to start living the life that I want to. Mm-hmm. And so while I'm doing this at the same time, basically, this is my film school. I didn't go to film school. Right. This is my film school. And it's the best kind, you know, just doing it and learning what works and, and learning what doesn't work. Um, I've, I mean, I'm, that's how I got started. Same way. I just decided one day that it was something that I wanted to do and I put the work in and I learned you know through trial and error oftentimes and by hook or crook and 13 years later you know despite what you might read on the internet I've been able to have a pretty successful film career and so um, it's exactly the best in my opinion it's the best way to start yeah and also for me you know um, I feel like timing is everything and sometimes you can wait your whole life your ship to come in it's like you know i feel like there's another part of me out there somewhere and so i just decided to go ahead and jump for it and dive in and just do what i love and live the life that i want regardless of what anybody else thinks around me um i mean they may say hey you know don't you think you're getting into this too old no actually i don't i think i'm just growing yeah well and not only that there's uh there's a maturity that I found for me and I can see in you that really helps uh, your your progression in film move at a, at a faster click because you're not starting at like 20 or 21 when you're still struggling between you know drama and and you know you know whatever whatever responsibilities that the average or dramas that the average 20 something year old deals with which of course is we all go through it but when what I found is that folks who get into something like film in particular at a little bit of an older age, you're past all that stuff. And and you kind of know what you want and you know what you how to get it, or at least you're, you know how to learn how to get it. Right. And so for me, it was kind of like, I know what I'll tolerate and I know what I won't tolerate. And I believe in common courtesy and I believe in treating people with respect. And I don't care what walk of life you come from. If you're good people, you're good people, I'm gonna like you. I don't care about your politics. I don't care about your religion. So when it comes to art, my concern is just creating with a great group of people. Because in life, we're all made up of different walks of life, if you really think about it. Um, So in my mind, I just, family to me is just people 
who are at this dining room table having a feast and we all come from different backgrounds and we're just having a good time. So to me, that is what creating art is like. So all this in the outside world, keep that out there. I don't, I don't want that when we're creating like art is supposed to build bridges, you know, and, and to show people out here in this world, we may be different, but when it comes to creating a passion and love, we're really the same. Right. And like I said, you know, I, I don't care if a person thinks they're all high and mighty. I don't care who they're connected to. If you're an asshole, we're kicking you to the curb and we're moving on. You know, I think that's the difference between being older and then being young. Because I think that when you're younger, you'll take it because you want that opportunity. But what I'm learning that there's people out there that they are connected and they just string people along. Right. They give them like, you know, like open promise or like empty promises. And I don't have time for that. I'll just go create my own stuff and let you drag other people around. I'm not going to tolerate that. So. Well, and it seems like there's a, there's a pressure to belong to groups. Um, And this exists within all genre, right? It feels like there's this pressure to belong to this group or that group to be part of this clique or that clique. And in the reality, when you get to a certain point, I mean, I'll speak for myself. You you get to a point where, where belonging to a clique that's not serving you holds no importance like it just it's it's so low on my on my list of values or things i'm willing to tolerate that unless you're a really close friend like a legitimate close friend and then there's a different level of like give and take um if you come across folks in whatever your walk of life is be it film or what have you that aren't serving you then there's no there should be no hesitation in just moving on because because those people aren't going to help you out. They're just looking to they're just looking to sort of belong to something that's very hollow versus versus actually doing anything constructive. I I find anyway. No, and I agree with you. Um it's so funny because you know, I've loved horror ever since I was a kid. Um I grew up watching horror and I'll be very honest with you, I don't even really feel like I even fit in with the horror community. You know, <laughs> I don't. I'm me. Um, and others that are drawn to me, I get along with very well as well. Um, I'm not, and this is not, this isn't me trying to, you know, disrespect anyone, but, you know, like I don't have all these tattoos. I'm very square looking, you know. Um, I'm kind of also very old fashioned at the same time, but with more of an open mind of um, tolerance, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I resonate with that pretty deeply. I mean, you know, not fitting in can sometimes be the best thing that could ever happen to an artist, you know, because if you're fitting in with folks and you're trying to belong to, you know, that's in the world of horror, like, uh, you know, the mutant fam, right. And like everyone, everyone, uh, you get this weird idea, this weird sense of identity of like a community, which in reality, it's a it's a it's a bunch of random people of various levels of sincerity and kindness uh, and quality who just happen to like this one thing or or a couple of things, and and somehow everyone is pressured to be bonded. But sometimes those things don't serve us. And being your own person, being an individual, can help you break out of doing what everyone else is doing. And in the direction that everyone else is going, and gives you the opportunity to create something that that actually might be impactful, because you're not just doing the same kind of flicks that everyone else is doing, or liking the same kind of movies that everyone else is liking. You're thinking for yourself, and you're taking a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, and you're making something unique and original and authentic to yourself. Yeah, it, it's been a interesting learning process for me I've been kind of exposed to different spectrums of you know not being a certain way to be accepted into a small group of filmmakers right you know and that was kind of a it opened my eyes that no I I don't want to fit your mode if if that's what you're looking for if that's the only opportunity I have at the table I have to be myself 
And so my message to anyone who's listening to this, um, be yourself and don't worry about doors closing on you. I mean, it, there's other opportunities out there and, and I do believe in destiny. I do believe in, you know, the universe. So I think that sometimes doors close when you're not meant to be there with certain people. Yeah. And look, if you are passionate about something and you love it and you're, uh, you know, to turn a phrase, you're destined to do it. If this is just who you are, if this is your will, then the acceptance of anyone else around you uh, doesn't mean much, you know, and especially like in, let's be honest, in horror can very much be like an old boys club. Um, filmmaking can be very cliquish, um, especially when you're working in areas that are like, uh, what I would say like smaller film communities where there's just not as many. So it kind of everyone knows one another and then it becomes this sort of high school dynamic. If it's, it's difficult to both find people to collaborate with, but also remain authentically yourself and not give it to the peer pressure of believing and following and doing everything that everyone else is doing just so that you can get your foot in the door. Right. Yeah. And I would have to agree with all of that. I mean, I'm out in Texas. So, you know, when I went to this premiere out in um, California and we were outside of LA, we were in North Hollywood. I was like, oh, if I actually lived out here, there would be more opportunity and, oh, this could actually really work for me. But, you know, that's not an option for me. So unfortunately, I have to try to find my way here in Texas and it can be pretty painful. It can be really hard and I'm not even going to lie. You have um, people who are very snobby in the industry out this way, or you have people who think that they are so much more than what they are, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I think that's true for every group dynamic. I, I see it often, you know. Um, I, I've seen in film, I've seen in wrestling, I've seen in the magic community. Like almost any time you get a group of people together that have some sort of shared interest, you run the gamut of all those things you just talked about. And it's, you have to be really selective of the kind of people that you that you partner up with. Um, the, the people who are who are supportive of you, the person, not you, the symbolic sort of archetype of whatever the group dynamic is. So let's backtrack a little bit. Like, so when we met, you were just a, you were a huge fan of horror, right? Um, and in the, in the last what two or three years, like you've gone from being a big fan of horror to working as an actress, making your own short films. Um, so when was the spark of transition for you? From saying, you know what? I mean, I know you kind of talked about with the within the context of the of the pandemic, and I, that opened the opportunity for a lot of people to take a step back and and think about what they really want to do with their lives. But but for you specifically, did you feel that you were being drawn towards this, you know, eventually, or was it like an opportunity came and and movement begets movement? Okay, so um, when I first went out to Texas Frightmare, I'm going to say the very first time I went out there was in 2017 and I left very heartbroken thinking whoa I should be here like did I just miss something that I was supposed to do you know like I felt very sad and then I told a friend I said you know I said and I've always said this even before I went to Texas right now you know it's like gosh you know I should have went to film school I should have went to film school Maybe I should have listened to everyone and kept my grades up. And maybe I should have went to, you know, UT Austin. Um, and I've kind of regretted that in the in the past. Okay. So fast forward. So there are some things that happen in my life that sometimes the universe can strip things away from you. And it's happening for a reason, no matter how painful it is. Okay. And sometimes we go through things that are preparing us for things ahead that we just can't see. Mm-hmm. Whether that's mental to make you mentally strong, spiritually strong, or emotionally strong. So I got through that, and then here we go. Here's a pandemic. Everyone's losing their mind. It's March, and you know the lockdowns are happening. And I just remember being so mad at people, and you know, like I said, no disrespect to anyone that said, "Oh, you know, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. And I have faith." I was so furious. Because when the lockdowns happened, and everyone they were acting like a bunch of animals, not thinking about their neighbor. 
not yeah. thinking about their brothers and sisters at the grocery store. It was just like pure fear. There was no stillness in the middle of the craziness. You know, everyone just got all rolled up and I was like, I thought, fuck all of y'all. <laughs> fuck all of y'all. My whole life, you people told me that I had to be a certain way. I had to stay within the lines because that is what normal is. That is what good is. Mm-hmm. And these are all the good people of society acting like a bunch of animals. I thought, no, fuck all of y'all. You know, like, where's your decency? Oh, the hypocrisy runs deep. Especially I find the people who, again, within group dynamics, the folks that will often tell you that you have to abide by this group thought or or these patterns or these dynamics, uh, you know, those are the folks that oftentimes are the biggest hypocrites about it. And, and I, when the chips are down, they're the first ones to throw all that decorum out the window and, and act in, a, in very selfish manners or self-serving manners. Whereas it, I've always found like outsiders who are just kind of doing their own thing um, and are self-reliant. Those are the folks that you can kind of always more depend on because cause you kind of know what you're getting with them uh, versus those that, that desperately are trying to like – um, and homogenize a, a sort of click dynamic. And I found that in film. And again, I found that I found that in almost every genre or, or any subculture that exists, punk rock movies, it doesn't matter. Like there is always that push to say, this is what you're, this is how you're supposed to do it. And if you don't fit this parameters, you're not worthy of being part of the club. Right. And then, so when that happened, you know, when I was a kid, I would just get lost in film whenever things were just so like crazy or just scary, or you just get lost in your art. You'd either get lost in your music or you would get lost in just simply watching movies. So I thought, well, I'm going to create, I'm going to do something that I love because I want to like who I am at the end of the day when this is all behind us. I want to be proud of the things that I did in the middle of chaos Mm -hmm. and us people have to be better examples for others who are younger or who we may be influencing that the whole world can fall apart, but we can still find some center and some peace, no matter what that is. If it's creating, then you need to create. We have to keep people, you know, um, grounded when things seem to be out of control. So I think that's what really did it to me was, you know, it was just like being a teenager again. Well, let me go lock myself in the room and get to creating. Right. And, and did you, did you know in your mind that you were going to start creating short films and, and working as an actress or was the podcast first? Well, the podcast was first. Um, because I've always liked interacting with people and talking. Mm-hmm. And then after the podcast, I decided, well, you know, like I always could act. I'm not saying, Oh yes, you know, so great. But, it was always something I had, you know, I was talented in doing, um, meaning because these are some things I had to do throughout my life. I had to put on certain faces and, mm-hmm. you know, to get through things. So I mastered that very well, not because I'm saying I'm a con artist, but sometimes you have to put a poker face on and I've learned to just do that. So, um, and I did take theater through school, so that helped. Um, So I was like, you know, I can do this. And I've I've never had the fear of thinking, oh, this person's more talented than me. And this person's way more talented than me. Like, I don't belong on the set. Like, hell no, let me show you what I got because I can hang with you. That's just believing in yourself. Um, And then I decided, I kind of had this conversation or reached out to this certain person in the DFW area. Very nice to me, very gracious to me. And I told him, I said, I do believe that people who are truly artistic can create, even if it's not on a big budget. I think that when people are talented, they can still create. And so I got invited to this um, luncheon and it was, everyone was very nice to me. And I was surrounded by people who were sharing their credentials and they were showing off their credentials and they weren't trying to be, you know, like Billy Badass. They were just showing... Oh, you know, you know, I did this, I did that, and I worked for this newscast, and blah, 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 blah. This person knew that I didn't have those credentials. So Mm -hmm. he was, when it got around to me, 
he interrupted and he said, we both have an extensive background in horror. So that was something very like nice that he did, you know, cause you wanted to set the tone. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, you belong. I belong and don't dismiss her because I was a part of a horror as well. You know, he was mm-hmm. setting the tone. It's very gracious of him to do that. And so I will always respect him for that. Um, so we got put into this little group and I didn't understand at the time that it was almost like this person in the group. It was told that we were going to kind of create things together. These, myself and other people, we were going to create things together. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that someone was in that group that was scouting, like scouting to work on um, sets and movies and stuff like that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, you know, here I am, not very, um, <laughs> didn't fit the mode, and, you know, I love horror and everything. And I'll be very honest with you. I really think that um, this certain individual that I'm speaking of, I think that we would have gotten along perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But sometimes other people may, you may pose a threat or they think, oh, you know, no, 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 no. She, she's not what we want. There's a middle person that can interfere with that sometimes. Right. And that's what goes back to talk about those group dynamics and that sort of high school mentality of who belongs and who doesn't belong. And very talented people can often, oftentimes be ostracized because of just their being themselves without necessarily fitting the, the mold. Yeah. And so um, I'll never forget that, but I'm not going to hold any grudges. So I'm just going to move on be like, well, I'll, I guess I'll see you around. So it just, it, it kind of hurt my feelings because I was like, oh, because you didn't like me. You interfered with an opportunity that I could have had. But I said, okay, that's all right. It's okay. We'll just keep trucking down the road. Right. So some of these other people that fit the, um, you know, those Instagram accounts of Wonderlust and, you know, and coffee. Well, I love, we both love coffee, but, you know, like the pretty pose, you know, they're on those sets, you know, incredibly fucking boring people. Exactly. So yes. So they're exactly where they belong. So. Right. Right. And, and again, you're, it's funny that because that your, your passion is horror and for so long and still to this day, horror was very much not mainstream. It was very counterculture. It was, uh, it was very political. It was very, um, um, went against the grain, you know? And so I, part of my love of horror and indie film in general was that it didn't it didn't cleanly follow the trajectory that everyone else was willing to go and that's where you that's where you get some of the magic you know famously john carpenter's the thing bombed in the box office and yet now with hindsight being 2020 we can recognize how revolutionary as a film it was not just as a horror film but as, as a film in general and there's so many stories of that right there's so many stories of of films that at a at a glance were were not respected or they didn't fit what Hollywood was looking for or whatever it may be, and then eventually down the line, once it kind of proves itself, then it becomes accepted retroactively. And I think that that's the, you know as true as that is for the movies themselves. I think it's true for the filmmakers and the type of people who are drawn to being indie filmmakers, especially in the world of horror. Right. And I agree with you. Um, you know, I've always said that sometimes a film, it, it can take years for it to find its audience. There's people that they get into the film business because they want to make money. They want to make quick money. And there's some people that they simply want to get in to create art or they, you know, it's like, hey, I, like, for example, whenever I decide to do a feature film, um, if people don't like it, my feelings are going to be hurt. I know that eventually, maybe later on, even if it's just one person who likes it, hey, I succeeded. You know, like I'm not here to please anyone and no one should be here to please anyone. Just be authentic, have some love in your heart and create because you love to create. Yeah, I I think that last part in particular is super important. When it comes to the creation of art, there's always these sort of measurables that you're being put up against, whether you ask to or not, of what, what constitutes success. And, you know, for me, and I think this is true for you as well, like we're both fortunate that we don't have to rely on in your case, making films, in my case, doing podcasts to support ourselves. We have found financial success in other avenues. And so in a way, it gives a freedom because we could truly just enjoy the creation of the art 
in and of itself for the sake of itself rather than worry about how it will be perceived by those on the other end, especially those who are fitting in to group dynamics, right? It, you can really just allow it to be, the, the experience to be the success. Right. And, you know, um, a film that rocked my world, and I've always, you know, I go on and go on about it, was Antrim. Uh-huh. Like, I watched Antrim. I was like, oh, my gosh. And some people are like, oh, that's a horrible film. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, these two directors, they came together. You know, I believe that they met each other in film school. Super talented guys. Uh-huh. And they created Antrim. I'm like, this is the most exciting film because it's like this satanic panic feeling. I can't explain right. it. And um, so after I saw Antrim, I was like, you know what? I think I can do this. But not on that level. I love Antrim. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, I'm Antrim. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But those two guys really inspired me. And um, also, you know, um, Mr. Anthony de Blasi did as well. He's a director. Um and there's a lot of other directors that have inspired me. Like Ty West is one of them. I really love Ty West. So it's always great too because you can find inspiration in different creators of different you know skill level, right? You know, some may make big big budget things, and some may make smaller, more independent indie things, and and everywhere in between. But um, but that creative when whenever you get that creative spark, that that bug that drives you to make. Um, regardless of who inspired you, whether it's Alfred Hitchcock or it's, you know, a local film director, from that point onward, there's nothing to stop you from learning your craft and getting better and performing. And, um, you know, of course, with film, as you, you're aware, there's a financial component to it that is not easy to overcome. Raising money to make a film, a short or a feature or whatever, is extraordinarily difficult. But you'll find if, if it means enough to you and your passion enough you'll find a way to get yourself on sets making films that you love or that you're happy with or that you had a great experience in the process of making you know um it kind of blows my mind when i see people like raise money for short films <laughs> like looking at like twenty five thousand dollars i'm like whoa do you know what i could do with that with the future film i mean because my short i only spent like twenty five hundred yeah I, I one time produced a short film that the 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 director raised uh, six figures for, <laughs> and it was great. Like it turned out really great. I mean the quality's there, but um, whew, that's a tough one because you know shorts don't. It's very difficult, if if impossible, to to find an avenue to to put your short in a position to make that money back. It re- almost really has to be for the love of the the art and and for the art to maybe get a chance to be seen and or maybe maybe if you're lucky win some awards and 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 build your craft right more than anything and you know that's where i'm at like i'm building my craft i'm um, learning as i go because i didn't go to film school like i said once again this is my film school yeah it's the best film school it really is and so my shorts are basically like a resume to show that i can start something i can finish it i can start something i can finish it and as i'm doing that i'm learning before I jump into my full feature film and the people who are helping me, um, of course, you know, I'll bring them back on as, you know, paid employees. Right. Um, but you know, you never forget the people who helped you. And I've just been really lucky to have a couple of these guys who know their shit help me. Yeah. Yeah. You can form bonds, especially under tough situations. I find, you know, the harder the film is or the, the least, um, how do you say, the least toys that you have to make with a film when you're really kind of being rugged with it and nimble, those are the types of sets that you oftentimes will find your crew because you've been through the trenches with them. And so and so because of that, you're able to know that you can rely on them, that they'll have your back and you'll have their back because it's it's battle-tested, it's battle tested, right? So, so... With your podcast, did you find – have you always been comfortable like speaking? Um, because so much about directing and, and acting is communication, right? That's like so much of it. Um, did you find that doing a podcast kind of helped you find that voice in a way? Or was it or was it more just an outlet for a voice that was already there? 
You know, um, when I started my podcast, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> just, I mean, it was such horrible, bad recording. And I was kind of left by myself at it, figuring it out. Um, so, um, you know, but I'm still very proud of what I do. So I'm not going to say I'm embarrassed of it, but um, I've never, never really uh, was afraid to speak my mind. Uh-huh. So my voice was always there. And, you know, that's just a part of my character. Right. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess maybe, maybe it was the start of the podcast. Yeah. And then from there, you do your first short film uh, as an actress first, correct? Let me tell you about my first. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was um, in this little local area where I live, you know, um, this one woman had this little little acting school and it was really cute whatever you know I was like oh gosh but they're so nice and they're so rooted and and sometimes you forget that you need you need that very vanilla in your life sometimes you know uh-huh. you do um and what I mean by vanilla I'm just very like very simple just very just like a family base kind of you know because right. I'm, all, I'm all over the place <laughs> <laughs> Foundation. Foundation. There you go. Um, so I get up there and we're going to do this short. <laughs> it's so horrible, but I got through it. And they didn't even like spell my name right in the credits and stuff like that. <laughs> so funny. It was just, but it was, it was, you know, I was like, oh, I can do this. And so I just went on to other things. Yeah. Did you, did you, um, so what was your character? In that first short film. Well, I was um, this guy's wife, and it was kind of like a family felt film. It was like um, a reject of a Hallmark, like a like a like a right. Hallmark reject, like a Hallmark wannabe. Like heavy with sentimentality. But it was awful, you know. <laughs> like, it's something that if you want to pull up and have a good laugh, I'm like oh my gosh, it's one of those kind of shorts. I was like whoa. <laughs> and then from from an actress perspective, like you're playing. You're basically paying a sort of a side character or someone's wife. Um, what is your process for that? Like, how do you make, even even as awkward or or, uh, or not great as the final product might have been from an experience standpoint, what was your, how did you approach coming into this role? Did you base it on anyone? Did you just sort of let yourself be? Did you just feel the character? Like, how did you tr- bring that to life on screen? How I bring a character life on screen, I just kind of read the script and I just read it over and over again. And then I just shut everything out. And then I just become someone else of what is, what, what is the writer telling me? What are the words on the paper speaking to me? And a good writer, when they write a script, you can see it in your head when you read, Uh you know, and the lines, you don't stumble, you don't stumble with the lines when you read them, they just flow out. And then when you have a good writer and a good script like that, and that's just like icing on the cake, you just create that character. I just try to pull somebody else out of me when I read something. But right. I'll be I'll be very honest with you. I love playing the villain. I love being that asshole, you know, because I have kind of like that graspy voice naturally, and I can really just dig deep and get ugly sometimes. So yeah. I think I think that's a. I didn't really act. I I did take an acting course uh, in college just to be able to do so, and I did one audition, which I've I've infamously infamously talked about um, as a, a werefish, just again for the experience. But but acting was never really not a passion for me. But I in my limited experience with it, it does feel like you're pulling a part of yourself out. You know, for, you know, almost every character that you that you come across, that you read on a script, that you envision in your mind as you're reading, is has some shared connectivity with something inside of yourself. And like you said, uh, like knowing you, you're a very sweet person. You got a big heart. You're like the nicest person I know. So for you to say like you like to play the villain is funny because you're definitely you're like the opposite of the villain, right? But I also know that you you take no shit, and so I'm sure that there's an element of that. That even if the character on page is the biggest dirtbag in, in the world, you can find something that you relate to 
that's deep, deep, deep inside yourself, even if it's buried, maybe it's a part of you that, that you don't want to let out often, but, but you, but it is there. Like we all have that capacity. Um, and you're able to pull it out and display it within the context of this, you know, this work of art and then, and then hopefully put it back away once you're done and, and get an opportunity to experience different facets of yourself. Right. Yeah. Well, that one, a short was uh, very interesting for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But you learn from, you learn from those, right? You learn a lot, even if you learn what not to do, I'm sure. Well, I'll tell you something else, you know, um, I I went back because I was going to help and we were talking and I decided not to help anymore, you know, after a remark was made, you know, when you're on a real set, because I just got back from filming, you know, in uh, Mm -hmm. Vegas, this uh, film called The Macabre. And, you know, the remark was, oh, when you're on a real set, and I thought, well, I'm not on a real set now. Goodbye, you know, so I I, I just don't like... um, the side remarks i know that you're supposed to have tough skin or thick skin whatever but like i said once again you know that was uncalled for so i was like well you can go make another shitty short by yourself you don't need me so yeah and and again we're going back to that you know what we talked about the beginning with the sort of groups and, and group dynamics and gatekeeping and um there is this idea that some films are somehow more worthy than other films um but those are that that kind of stuff that kind of sentiment i've traditionally found to be to be remarked by people who don't either have no film experience or very limited Um, because folks who have done who legitimately work in this field and have put the work in they know how hard every film is whether it's a a giant studio film or a tiny indie or anywhere in between the work is the same and and oftentimes the work is harder the smaller the film is so there's no there's really no such thing as a real set now there are Good sets and not so good sets, of course, right? There's there's professional sets and not professional sets. That can absolutely occur, but that can happen on any level. I mean, just look through the tabloids, and you can always see examples of of directors or producers who go who who act inappropriately on giant studio films. I don't think budget dictates that in any manner, and that kind of mentality to me is is defeating, self defeating. Right, a very ethical and you know like professional on professional level yeah 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 so then from that experience um you know working on this tiny film that you know to be kind to it was finding its legs right everyone starts somewhere we all make things that aren't so great at some point or another you got you got to start with a single step so there it's finding its legs you go from that experience you get to travel for work which is cool i always found that to be kind of fun although after this long it gets a bit exhausting and i'm be looking forward to going to my own bed soon but you get to go to shoot in vegas and you work on that film set when did you say okay i've been on enough sets now it's time to do my own thing and tell us about that experience um it w- it had to be director Eric Mathis of the Macabre. I was on his set mm-hmm. and I saw how he went about things and how he was trying to, you know, even though it was indie, he was so professional, mm-hmm. so professional. And, um, and I just kind of absorbed that. And I was like, okay, I think I can do this. Like, I know I can do this. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, you know, he raised, you know, some money for his film. And I was like, well, I'll just kind of, rewind and do it the way they did back in the 90s you just grab some people and then just create and let's see what happens mm-hmm. um so that's kind of where something kind of clicked for me was um on the set of the macabre mm-hmm. and then from and then from that how did you come up with the concept for your short and what was the process of you know other than just obviously gathering people to, to collaborate together with you like did you did you write it yourself? Is it like is it like an all in production for you? Yeah. So, um, so I was when I get inspired by things, I take a little bit of pieces of things that really influence me. Um, with my short, there was um, Antrim. Um, there was John Carpenter. Um, I can't think of it was on um, Masters of um, Masters of Horror. I can't remember the name of the segment 
um, and then a little bit of popcorn, the original popcorn. Mm. Yeah. From back in the, you know, the eighties or the nineties. Um, so when I create, I just take a little bit of things that really meant a lot to me and just kind of just, okay, let me make this my story, mm-hmm. you know, but I'll be honest with you. There's so many like stories that live within me that that's why I'm working on this next segment, you know, and right. there's going to be a few more after that before, you know, like I said, I build up to that feature film, but there's just, I think that when you're a storyteller or you have things that you want to say on the inside out, I think it's not really that hard. Right. And for people, so tell us the name of your short. And then um, you, you said like, it'll be sort of um, in a way, like not quite archival. Um, there'll be, there'll be sequels of it. There'll be several chapters of this. Kind of like, yeah. Um, so the name of my first short or the one I'm working on now? The one you're working on now. And never play alone. Nice, nice. And then your first short as well. Midnight Cinema Hour. And our I well, obviously the one you're working on now has not been shot yet, but is Midnight Cinema Hour available for folks to watch? Well, I submitted to a film a few film festivals here like a couple weeks ago. And I did give it a leak to Twitter and I believe Promote Horror um, is gonna kind of share it on Twitter as well. So I'm just kind of leaking it out to some of the people like in Twitter. Um, and then eventually I'll, you know, if, if it doesn't win any awards, my film's not going to be hurt. I'll just have like a series on YouTube for everyone to. I mean, I, I saw it. And first off, I think I told you this directly. Um, not only did I think it was good, just, you know, period, but, but I felt like for a first short film, especially, like what you were able to put together from a production value standpoint, story standpoint, um, you know, leaps leaps and bounds beyond where you know even where I like I started, for example. Um, I like there's there's a very obvious natural skill set there, and uh, I'm sure knowing the budget and knowing kind of how you went about it, you kind of had to wear a lot of hats to get the thing made. I still do. <laughs> Um, let's see, I was, I went and scouted the place, um, casting, um, producer, director, um, getting my poster together. Yeah, I did it basically, um, all, you know, but I didn't hold the boomstick. I didn't hold the camera, you know, so if you're passionate about it, you better be ready to work and really jump in. Um, because that kind of comes with the territory when there's no financing backing and you're a lone wolf at this by yourself. So that's the reality of it. Yeah. I, uh, hundred percent, hundred percent. You have to be willing to get it, get it in the can as they say, no matter how you have to do it. Um, and often I, you know, I remember I, I produced a short film for my buddy, Justin and, um, you know, we, we happened to get a school, but, you know, we scouted it all ourselves um, out of Austin. You know, I think I had a, a, an ex-girlfriend whose mom made us, like, um, craft service and, and lunch, which was basically, like, whatever she could make, like a, like lasagna or whatever, you know, can make it a big a big big sheet pan so that everyone can eat. And uh, it was the same thing as you grab your buddies and, and who's got a camera? Oh, it's like almost like starting a band in a lot of ways. Right. It's like who who could play drums? That's it. They're in our band now. Like who's got who's got a guitar? It doesn't matter if you know how to play it. Come and, and, and filmmaking, especially indie filmmaking, is very much like that, where it's like when you're starting off, even if you were born in L.A., it doesn't even matter because it's not like you're going to get have access to Wally Pfister or, or someone like that. You're you've got to kind of gather whoever you can gather who's passionate about filmmaking. And then all the gaps are incumbent upon you to fill yourself and wear all those hats just to make sure it gets made. Yeah. And so that was, you know, kind of, I was like, if I'm not, you know, if, if I don't do this, it's never going to get done. And like, you know, going back kind of rewinding to that group that I was in, mm-hmm. um, they submitted all these scripts and then a couple of people were selecting the scripts that they wanted to film. Mm-hmm. And, um, mine wasn't selected. I thought, you don't get to tell me that my film doesn't get made because you didn't select my script. Right. Let me go right. off and do this by myself. And so I think it that kind of motivated me because I wasn't, you know, um, selected. I was like, oh, I don't need you. I'll just go over here and do it. 
Right, right. And that that indomitable spirit is really important in this industry because it's exhausting. It really is. It's it's tiring. It can it can oftentimes uh, disappoint you um, if you don't have a sense of I'm going to do this and no one can stop me. Nothing can stop me. I will find a way or make it. Then those are the kind of people that I've always found find the most success in in working in film and can create, you know, lives for their their themselves and their family and get the opportunity to work on really interesting projects because no one or no thing can tell them no, it can't be done. They will always find a way to make it happen. Right. And let me kind of just tell you how sh- shitty the certain person was. They went they went up and they um, worked on a horror film. Mm-hmm. And in that group, out of everyone who loved horror, oh, hey, you want to come work on the set with us? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Right. I thought, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, I just, you know, my message to anyone out there, like, hey, when people are just shitty to you, it's okay to cry about it. It's okay to get mad about it, but you move on. But I just wanted to share, like, kind of like that dark humor side of me. is like, oh, you know I love horror, even though you don't. And you got a job yeah. on the set. And you, okay, I, I got Crystal clear. Moving on. Yeah. Good. Good for you. It's probably the best thing for you. I mean, honestly, there are ups and downs in this journey. You know, anyone who would tell you that they're all success all the time is probably lying to you. You know, my first four years of film, more or less, I was dirt poor. I mean, really struggling. You know, side jobs that I'd have to leave every time a film came up, all that stuff. And then, you know, about about 20, uh, 2000. 2011 to definitely into 2012 is when things really started picking up for me. I got to work on a network car animated show. I was working in-house as an executive. Um, I was there for six years doing that. And then, you know, you have that 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 uh, safety net, that stability of working at a production company. And then kind of a similar situation. I, I was the only person who knew scripted there. But, but I didn't fit their group dynamic. I wasn't a yes man. I'm not going to just go along with the herd just because like I'm I weigh and think things out for myself and and that wasn't appreciated in that environment and so I got laid off um they couldn't fire me because there was no legitimate reason to fire me though I could tell they wanted me out so they laid me out uh laid me off rather and which great was awesome because I got a huge severance package and then and then I had to be back in freelance and that took some time to sort of reintroduce myself to the world and find my own footing. And so for that year, it was it was like not dire, but like that stability was gone for certain. And then and then from 2018 onward, I've been, um, well, 2019 onward for certain, um, I've really hit my stride. But, you know, that being said, you always have to prepare yourself for, you know, a downturn or it, at, when we're recording this, that we very well could be on the precipice of an IATI strike, which could halt filmmaking for a while. Uh, for me, that would be fine. I could use the break, but you know, it, you never know what could occur. And and if you've been through those ups and downs, and you've conquered them, and you've and you've reaffirmed to yourself that you don't have to be belong in a group dynamic or scene in order to be successful and find your own success, those low moments never last very long. Because you know how to dig yourself out of them. You know how to climb out of that pit. And a lot of people will stay there infinitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for example, what's kind of fun about indie is like one of my friends is helping me on my set when we film on October 3rd. And then he's turning around and he casts me in one of his films. Nice. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's kind of the fun thing about indie is like when you have friends that are in the little indie world, you kind of just a trade off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I always have a soft spot in my heart for indie. Again, we talked about this earlier, this idea of like, what's a real set versus not a real set. That's all bullshit. That's, that's what people who don't do this for a living say from the comfort of their couch. Right. Um, I've worked on bigger stuff and I've worked on smaller stuff and I love indie there is a freedom in indie that you just don't get when you work for more major companies. Um, I mean, the major companies pay more, which is nice, you know, and, and sometimes you have to find the mix of that. But 
But I, I was listening to a quote that Johnny Depp gave really recently where he was talking about the studios. And he said, um, you know, they're not the boss, right? The people who, who pay the tickets, who download the streams, who buy the DVDs, those, the, those are the bosses, right? Those are the ones who are, who, are, who are in charge of us all. They're the ones who give their money for us. And by virtue of that, we're able to, to create the art that we do. And, um, and when you realize that the only people that you're beholden to is the people, not, not the gatekeepers and not the cool kids and none of that nonsense, not the studios, not the record labels, not the whatever. Um, there's a lot of freedom and, and, and in, in personal creative satisfaction that can be derived from, from working in indie. Uh, they, won't, they might not always have the budgets to be super comfortable, but even in that discomfort, you know, even in that discomfort, you can find satisfaction. Right, Exactly. You know, I've always been afraid. I'm like, well, you know, Leo's always telling me, you know, he's like, you're so talented. You know, you can always go outside of horror. I was like, I know, I know. And um, he's like, just kind of experiment with other things as well. I said, well, yeah, maybe. Okay. And, um, and I told him, I said, you know, I'm so, this is how I'm starting. I'm afraid that something bigger, I'm not going to be happy with something bigger. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I like the intimacy. I like feeling like I'm with family I like the smaller. I like, I prefer the skeleton crew. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm not here to become famous. I'm just here creating and just living my life and showing people around me, you know, like my daughter that don't let people tell you no. And when the world is crazy, just always try to still be yourself no matter what. I, I think that is infinitely important regardless of whatever your field of choice is be it work or creation or whatever it may be that just being yourself and and never letting anyone tell you no is is super important because like you said you didn't fit the mold of someone who should be a filmmaker and you are and you're and you're you're doing another film and that film will beget another film and so on and so forth and you'll be able to chase this for as long as you choose to um, one way or another, because there's obviously some skill set there, which is important, but can be learned. Um, but the passion part of it can't be taught. And you have that in spades and you have a, a sense of who you are and you're not swayed by detractors. And so, um, you know, being able to see you continue to produce and put out into the world really great content, really good movies, really good art, and also knowing that you could keep going forever if you want to, right? Or until it stops being fun at least, right? That's that's always been my thing. Like I'll do something until it's not fun anymore. And when this shit's no longer fun, then I'll just fade into the background and and go enjoy life doing something else. But in the for as long as I have a good time, even if in even if in moments I'm not always having a good time. If I'm ultimately having a good time, then I'll then then it's worth it's worth all the headaches and the and the hard work that goes into creating stuff. Right. But always remember this for your part as well is sometimes it's not so easy when you have the experience that you do. Let me tell you why. Like just to fade in the background. You (laughs) see, I could fade in the background and no one would ever know. But there's something about seeing something on TV saying, hey, I was a part of that. Hey, I made that happen. That it's a part of you, even though we can't see you on TV. We don't see you on the screen. There was something that you did in the background to help create that, to make it a reality. Yeah. Well, that's that's the bug. Yeah, yeah. It absolutely is. It, that is it. Exactly. It's. Um, I, I was telling this to someone really recently. Working in film production, in particular, is is a skill that most people can't do. It's beyond hard. I mean. Just to give you an example, I did my first live-to-tape um, special, comedy special, for a, a major streaming service. And um, I'd never done that before exactly. I'd, I'd sort of, as an executive producer, I'd produced a Martin Lawrence comedy special. Um, but I was a little less hands-on than I was on this one, where this one felt like the indie version of that. And um, 
And it was so hard. I mean, it was so physically hard. I mean, my knees are still sore from literally running up and down stairs at the theater, making sure talents where they need to be and taken care of, making sure all the technical aspects that go into shooting a live to tape project is, you know, making sure the audience is packed into the right place. All, all those added components that were new to me in some regards, having to deal with that, literally sprinting around this giant theater trying to make this thing happen for two shows in a row and um and i mean you see the video i mean my eyes are still bagged up and there's i i you can't take away the satisfaction of knowing that i got the job done that the producer was happy that it's going to be successful that it's going to lead to more stuff and that the average bear couldn't do that you know and um and that's the part that's addicting that's the part that's addicting that 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 and, and it's also the part that's aggravating because sometimes I'll see online people make comments about films. I my biggest pet peeve is when people say X is lazy filmmaking or lazy this or lazy that. And I'm like I've been doing this for too long. There's not a single fucking position that's lazy. You know, it's all hard it's grueling work. And um and and like the the weight that you shoulder as a producer in my in my case as a producer would break the average person. And I'm not saying this to like beat my own chest or anything, but it's it's knowing that you can do something that most people can't makes it addictive and makes it enticing to keep doing it because because it would it would almost feel like a waste of of a god-given ability if if you didn't put and give give 100% of yourself to this thing that as a fan when you were a kid or whatever you, you loved, right? You loved being on the other side. You loved being in the seats watching it. And now you get to do this thing that makes this product that people watch, that people enjoy and people love. And um, and you can give back to that like 10-year-old you that was in the audience watching whatever. And and so you're right. It, it is harder. Uh, it is harder to step away from that once you've done it for as long as I have. And I was going to tell you, and those feelings that you feel about that, that is when you know you're a real artist. Yeah. And and I think, I think you'll find that when you have that level of passion and commitment, you'll only be drawn to people who also have it. You know, people who are getting stuck in the mire or spend their, all their time on Twitter talking shit about other people's works of art. They have, you have no time for that. I mean, you know, like if you're busy, working and creating an amazing life for yourself you don't have much time for that anyhow like like physically and literally right because you're you're too busy doing things that are productive not tearing other people down exactly exactly and i i that's why i love that's part of the reason for this podcast is i love to talk to people like you people who are passionate people who are driven and um i i i consider success being based on different variables than than the person on their couch, right? Like I I know what I know what it really means to be successful in in a, in a creative endeavor, and so I love being able to talk to you and share the stories of those people who are passionate about the art that they create, so that the world isn't just filled with the static that people see online, the negativity, the criticism, but is that but but maybe in some small way, you know, a more a more uh, inspiring perspective can be shared. Speaking life versus death. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're entering spooky season. This is the best time of all. Did you, do you have like a, a, a I mean, I know you were, you've, we talked about some of the films you were inspired by, but are there like your comfort favorites? Like, are there films that come October that you're just going to be like devouring while you eat popcorn and like really, you know, like really reignite that love of film because it you, it can wane when you're when you make when you learn how to, the sausages make is made it, it can wane a bit. You have to sort of revive it by by going back to your ten year old self watching the screen. Well, you know, it, it's funny because it's like you know those films that people watch during Halloween and watch them all the time. <laughs> so. You know, I really like um, Charlie Brown. The Great Pumpkin? The Great Pumpkin. And, you know, it's like a little bit of some of the episodes of uh, Scooby-Doo. Yeah, nice. 
I have a I have a nephew, so I've I've re re, uh, re engaged reignited my love for Scooby Doo whenever I go visit him in Austin. Um, I'll probably just go through all the night galleries. I mean, because like my comfort film, I think it's you know like what I like The Shining with Jack Nicholson. There's something soothing about that film. It's very bizarre, and I can't explain it. Um, another one is Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. That's a very mm-hmm. soothing film for me. Um, House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot you know I'm a very old school person as well but I think for me it would probably be just going through all the night galleries nice those excellent choices I I um, I bounce around a little bit I think I'm going to do a lot of slasher films this year but I love like The Shining is probably one of my favorite horror movies of all time um, Hellraiser is my favorite horror movie of all time John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness which is one of his lesser yeah, it's one of his lesser-known films. It feels like, but it's excellent. It's really good. It's really dark and like, like legitimately scary. And then, of course, the the thing is one of the best movies of all time. Period. You know, like it's it's fantastic filmmaking. And this part, this time of the year, I think is so fun because for you and I, this is just like an all-year-round thing. But for a lot of people, it's the, the time that they turn their attention towards a a medium. That is in in the mainstream at least not always getting its its deserved appreciation. Well, it, Halloween, so it's a magical time. Um, there's something about when you feel fall creeping in slowly. There's this change in the air, and it feels soothing and peaceful. Okay, and I think that Halloween is a very special time because it's when people who really aren't into horror or into the spooky stuff, they return to Never Never Land. They become a kid mm-hmm. again. They're able to, one night of the year, become who they were before the world changed them. Um, you know, it's, no matter how old you get, you'll always have that youthful feeling when Halloween arrives. You can always be young again, even if it's for one night of the year. But for me, I'm a kid forever. But um, for most people, it brings back that feeling of, being young again i love it excellent and i think uh what what a fitting ending message to go out on um for anyone who wants to follow you on your social media or your podcast or check out your short films like let everyone know where they can find all of your amazing art well i mean like usually if you could just because i don't even have any of my usernames and eyes i'll be not even going <laughs> I just don't like you can find me on Facebook under Lana Winters. You can find me on Twitter. I have so many different little names on social media. Um, if you're on Twitter, you can just pound Buzzard View Manor or Midnight Cinema Hour and you'll find me even with Instagram. You can find me that way. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your time and I urge everyone and and, and um, recommend that they check out your art and they and that they follow your journey because we're just at the beginning of it. And, and how cool would it be for people who listen to this podcast or have already been following your work and they say, oh, yeah, I know Lana Winters when she was making short films and now she's making, you know, whatever big, big horror film that came out and has the same impact on people that Antrim had on you and, or The Shining has on you. And so uh, for folks who want to see the beginning of a journey and see how it progresses – and not to mention just to enjoy the art that you're doing in the moment right now, right? With no expectation of the future. I think it would be really cool for them to follow you and to support you and check out your work. And I know that I do. I always look forward to it every time something new comes out. And so always let me know and I'll be happy to share it so that hopefully other people kind of catch on to all the cool stuff that you're doing. Thank you. Well, thank you so much and enjoy your Halloween season. You too, my friend. And good night. I want to thank Lana once again for coming on the podcast and being so gracious with her time, sharing her journey and her experiences as being going from being a fan of film and, and horror in particular and taking it that extra step, not just being a casual passive observer, but really putting oneself out there and creating her own art and within the genre that she loves, uh, which you know op- ultimately opens herself up to criticism and judgment. And it takes... It takes a lot to be a filmmaker and to be, especially as a, as a creative force, to put yourself out there, put your vision out there, 
um, all, all for the opportunity that maybe one day someone watches your art and feels the same way that you felt about the films that inspired you. So I champion her journey and her, uh, and I, I would like to ask everyone to support not only Lana's work, but also, you know, independent filmmakers in general, independent artists in general. There are, it can be the next big thing, um, but it doesn't have to, to have value. You know, that art that's put out into the world has value just for its own existence. And some of the most amazing art I've ever come across has not been super mainstream, has not been socially acceptable, yet it moved me in the way that film and art is supposed to move you. So uh, thank you all for listening to this podcast. Um, thank you, Lana, once again, for being so gracious with your time. I wish that all of you a very happy spooky season. I hope that you're all inspired to create your own art, whatever your medium might be. And until next time, gold rings on you all.